You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. All right, church. I don't mean to, I don't mean to dampen the mood or the atmosphere or anything, but I do have something serious that I want to talk to you about tonight. And um, when you're in a growing church, you're going to run into more and more things. And I'm I'm considering preaching uh, a series through the Book of Acts, as far as the the many things that you are going to face, that we are going to face. Uh, as our church grows and goes forward. And praise the Lord that we are in a growing church. Uh, But with growth comes growing pains. You certainly know how that is. Um, I have a... I was was thinking of how to start this message for you. And um, one thing that I have on my desk in my my office, I have uh, a honeycomb in in my office. I don't know if you're supposed to refrigerate that or not, but I don't. And uh, if you've never had honey straight from the comb, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, a lot of times when I preach, I feel like all I'm doing, because I'll take a big spoonful of that honey and I'll eat it, and it's just absolutely amazing. And I tell everybody I can, if you've never tried it before, you've got to try it before. And a lot of times when I'm preaching, that's really what I feel that I'm doing. I've, I've tasted of the honey of God's word, and I just try to get up in the pulpit and say, you've, you've got to try this. It's absolutely incredible. But there are some times where I can't talk to you about the honey of God's word, and I I need to talk to you about the bitter parts of God's word. A lot of times I enjoy taking you up to the mountaintop view and say, look at what the Bible teaches us. But other times I need to take you to the swamp of sin and warn you never to go there. But I'm thankful for a book that covers everything. Turn with me to Romans chapter 16. The workers are out here going crazy and buzzing and everything, so let's make sure our phones aren't buzzing. Let's turn those off, but you're going to have to pay a little extra attention, especially you over here in the far section and in the nosebleeds. You'll have to focus in, make sure that that's not distracting to you over there. Romans chapter 16, and I want to read two verses for you. Father, please bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, and help us to help us to take it to heart and for us to learn what we need to learn. Lord, if I do not, if I do not have you, this will not accomplish what needs to be accomplished. So I ask that you would please use me, help me, lead me, and guide me, protect my words, my speech, my spirit, and uh, let your presence be made known and let my heart be shown throughout this. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I want to read to you verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, 
may I insert, even though they say that they do. They that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. In other words, they, they, only, have, they only have meeting their own appetites in mind. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. Thank you. You may be seated. In the years that I've been a pastor, and even the years when I was youth pastor, I could not tell you of a time, and it's coming up on, on eight years now in July. In those eight years, I could not tell you of a time when spiritual wolves were not circling around you. The enemy is ever-present always walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And it's the job of the shepherd, and you understand I am not the chief shepherd. I am but the under-shepherd, and the only way I have authority in that realm is when I follow the chief shepherd. And I'll be referencing Psalm chapter 23, through, maybe throughout and even, even at the end. And that is certainly talking about Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's a reason, however, that the Bible compares pastors to shepherds. And you can find in many ways, of course we're going to fail, but you will find in many ways what a pastor is supposed to do for his people in Psalm 23. It's the job of the shepherd to keep his eye on the wolves without bringing unnecessary fear to the sheep. And what I mean by that, church, is if I called out every wolf that was circling around the flock, if I called out every potential threat, if I called out every institution, every legislation, every person, every denomination that had a desire to bring harm to you, it would be constant. I always see the wolves. And if you have an imagination like myself, you can imagine a green pasture maybe in a, in a valley and then up along all sides, maybe surrounding, there's cliffs all around and mountains. And I always see the wolves walking on the cliffs looking down at you. But for the most part, I keep silent. Now that's not because I wish to keep anything from you. That's not because I wish to be deceitful. It's because I know as long as you stay close and as long as you stay strong on the meat of God's word and as long as you stay together and as long as we follow the chief shepherd, there is no need to fear. Let the wolves prowl as much as they want. He, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. But every now and then, the wolves move from their usual place up on the cliffs, and they come down into the pasture. And they stop just prowling back and forth, and they start baring their teeth, and they start howling. And when that happens, that is the time for the shepherd to sound the warning. 
Now, it doesn't need to be overly dramatic and it doesn't need to be panicked. The shepherd doesn't scream like a girl at the top of his lungs. But it does need to be clear and it does need to be loud. It needs to be something along the lines of, everybody, everybody, do you see that? Do you see that? Do you see him? Do you see that wolf? You stay close. You stay close. You stay together. He's coming closer. He's making, he's making his intentions clear. Stay away from him. And when the shepherd sounds that warning, he's not only protect, protecting the sheep, he's also letting the wolves know these sheep aren't alone. There is somebody here who will protect them. There is somebody here who is willing to die and then certainly willing to kill you before he ever lets you take one of these people. I am not looking to call out every threat because I know that wouldn't be good for you. A lot of times, church, I just watch and I bear it on my own. But I must not hesitate to call out a threat when it starts coming closer to the flock. Because if the wolves have their way, you will be scattered and the flock will endure damage. And that falls on me. And it's a difficult balance to find, a, a balance that I don't know you'll understand. I'm, I'm sure that's, a, that's an ignorant thing to say. Uh, you're, I'm not the only shepherd in this. I think if you're a parent, you're a shepherd of your children. And I think you know how that is also when your children are constantly surrounded by threats. But you don't call out each and every one. But if one gets too close, you're going to, hey, 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 come here. Come here. You see that? You see that? Don't, don't be around that. It's difficult to determine when to sound the warning and point out the threat and when to just keep walking and let the sheep eat in the presence of the enemies. It's a difficult balance to find. But there are times when the wolves give you no choice. Oh, good. That makes the pastor's job easier. No. The times that Paul is writing about in the verses we just read are the times where the wolves give no choice. And he doesn't just write, he pleads. Do you see it? And he doesn't just plead, he pleads earnestly. And he doesn't just plead earnestly, he pleads earnestly with tears that the church would be protected against those who seek to divide and devour them. If, if we do not picture Paul struggling as he writes the words, I beseech you, beware. I beseech you, stay together because there are people who are seeking to reach into the church and it's not because they want you to succeed. If you do not imagine the ink 
from the quill of from the quill on the parchment being smeared with his tears you are missing the fervency and the importance of his warning I want to first of all give you a description of the enemy and that is who it is an enemy And then I want to tell you the job of the pastor. What is a pastor supposed to do once an enemy has been identified and considered dangerous to the church? And then I want to talk to you about the job of the church. And I have a fourfold purpose in my message. First of all, I want to obey God. This is not what I wanted to preach tonight. But first of all, I want to obey God. Second, I want to warn the church. Third of all, I want to scare. I want to put the fear of God in any potential discord sowers. And then lastly, I want to protect the simple. So phase one, how do you identify a predator? How do you identify an enemy of the flock, an enemy of the church? And in order to answer that, we have to begin with what we can see. Now stay with me, and I'll explain to you what I'm talking talking about. If you were to observe a predator, a, a wolf that is trying to come into the church... You don't see what's going on inside. You don't see what's happening in their mind. You don't see what's happening in their heart. But the Bible, and Paul does point out what you can see immediately. And this this is what you see first with these people. Good words and fair speeches. So what you see there is their method. So how, how do you identify a predator? Well, first of all, look at their method. Good words and fair speeches. This person isn't walking in saying, Hi, I'm here to destroy this place. Hi, I'd like to join so I can tear this apart. It's not the way it happens. Question though, is there anything wrong with good words and fair speeches? I'm not trying to trick you. Is there anything wrong with good words and fair speeches? Are are we to suspect that anybody who is kind in the church... Anyone who comes up and says, hi, how are you doing? I prayed for you today. You watch yourself, buddy. (laughs) Are we to to suspect anybody who's kind to you is actually a wolf who's trying to devour you? No. But do not, do not, do not be so naive to think that everybody who speaks good words and gives fair speeches is a good and fair person. I would, but I have no other content, so. (laughs) As a shepherd, it's not a red flag to me when I see somebody who's speaking kindly to somebody else in the church, okay? But red flags start waving when I see that they're not speaking those good words and those fair speeches to anybody other than people they can influence. 
I'm not only watching their method, I'm watching their target. And they isolate the new converts. Or they isolate the impressionable. Or they isolate the weak. They isolate the hurting. They isolate the seeking and the searching. And they shower them with good words and fair speeches. But preacher, aren't we supposed to help the weak? And aren't we supposed to help the hurting? Aren't we supposed to teach the new converts and reach out to these new people? Yes, but stay with me. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, what you say will reveal what you are. I am not against speaking good words and giving fair speeches. I am not against speaking good words and giving fair speeches to simple people. I am against people speaking good words and giving fair speeches in order to influence the simple away from the Lord and away from the church and toward themselves. I am against that. When you combine somebody who uses the method of good words and fair speeches in order to target the simple with the motive of turning those people to themselves to serve their own bellies and not serve the Lord, that is a predator. That's a wolf. That is somebody who is not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, serving their own belly, and using good words and fair speeches to deceive the hearts of the simple. Hey, brother. Hey, hey, sister, I'm so glad that you're here today. You're an encouragement to me. I've been watching you. You're faithful. You're an encouragement. You know what that is? Good words and fair speeches. Anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. What about, hey, brother, or sister, whatever. Let's just say whenever I say brother, you understand that it's gender inclusive, okay? <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> you guys. Dissension in the church, you hear that? <laughs> Hey, brother, hey, hey sister, I, I see you just started coming here, I, uh, or I know you're going through a rough time, or I hear you just got saved the other day, or I'm sure you have a lot of questions. You've come to the right place, and if you need anything, I, I'm here for you. You know what that is? That's good words and fair speeches to somebody who needs it, to somebody who is simple. Any, any, anything wrong with that? No. Nothing wrong with that. But this... Hey, I see you just started coming here. This is a good church, isn't it? It's a good church. But uh, what do you think about that message that was preached the other day? I, I just, I, I'm asking you because I have some concerns with it, and I think you have a level head on your shoulders, so I just want to know what, what you have to say about it. Good words and fair speeches to deceive Some 
selfish motives with a design to divide. Hey, brother, I know you're going through a rough time. Look, the pastor's really busy. He's really busy. So if you ever feel that you need something and you can't get in touch with him, you can always come to me and you can counsel with me. Now listen, now listen, hang on a second, hang on a second. I am not saying I'm the only counselor here. Well, you better watch that. Because that's what Absalom did. And it didn't end too well for him. And you know what I say about counsel. You know what I say about counsel. It's the worst part of being a pastor. If you, what, what do you hate the most about being a pastor? And hate is a strong word. What do you hate the most about being a pastor? Counsel. Now, I'm not saying, if you, I'm not, saying not to come up and counsel with me. I, I, will, I will help you. Just know I don't like it. <laughs> because I'm telling you, 95% of counseling sessions could be avoided if people would just listen to the preaching. And if you're not going to listen to me behind here, why are you going to listen to me behind a desk? A lot of the counseling sessions that I'm starting, I start with this. Is there anything I can tell you that I haven't already told you in the message? Now, if somebody is legitimately coming up and asking for, what, you know what? I'm going to stop right there, and I promise you, if the Lord allows me, I will preach a message coming up very soon on a Wednesday night about pastoral counsel. What it is, what it isn't. So we'll shelve that for now. But that's what it sounds like. Hey, what do you think about how that situation was handled? Do you agree with that? Hey, I know this church teaches this about dress and teaches this about music and teaches this about salvation and baptism and teaches this about music or ministry, but what do you believe? What do you think about the direction of that ministry? What do you think about the direction of that ministry? I just have some concerns about it, and the Lord told me to talk to you about it. Now listen to me, if somebody is talking like that to you, it's not because they respect you. It's not, now listen, I'm going to help you, okay? It's not because they respect you. It's not because they desire your opinion. And they may be flattering you and buttering you up, but you should be insulted because what the Bible says is the only reason they're talking to you is because they believe you're too simple to see through their lies. That man is not serving the Lord. He's serving his own belly. That woman is not seeking to satisfy the Lord. She's only seeking to satisfy her own appetite. They are serving their own private interests under the guise of religious zeal. They are making a, gain, a personal gain of godliness instead of using godliness to bring gain to somebody else. And there are only two results that can come from that. Divisions and offenses. Divisions and offenses. Divisions and offenses. You know the difference between the two? Divisions is separation between people. Offenses is separation between people and God. And listen, the person doesn't have to be introducing a false doctrine. The person doesn't have to be pushing a new Bible version. It, 
It doesn't matter the size of the disagreement that the person has. What matters is the result of the disagreement. That is what the Bible is making very clear. Whether the person is using their speech to attack salvation by grace or whether the person is using their speech to question the way a lesson was taught. The Bible says when a person's speech starts to separate one church member from another church member, and when a person's speech starts to keep people from coming closer to the Lord, that is contrary to what God says should happen in his church. And he says, when you see that, you mark it. And you, no, 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 incorrect. You mark them. I don't care how good their words sound. I don't care how fair their speeches feel. May I remind you that Judas came up to the Lord with a good word and fair speech and a kiss. Their kindness might hide their motive, but it doesn't change their motive. And it certainly doesn't diminish the damage that they can cause. So Paul begs, and he being dead yet speaketh. He's begging me. And the Holy Spirit tells me, mark them, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Church, that's why I stand up and I call denominations out who bring offenses and divisions contrary to the Bible. The Catholics are contrary to the Bible. The Lutherans are contrary to the Bible. The Methodists used to be straight. They're not anymore. They're contrary to the Bible. Even the Southern Baptists are cousins. Just voted the other day in a convention. Nothing wrong with women preachers. Yes, there is. And you are bringing division and offenses. I'm going to call it out. And that's why I call out institutions. I'm going to go to this college. Why? And that's why I call out different legislatures that come out. Tell you you should probably vote against it. And that's why I even call out people. Because the Bible says, whoever or whatever it is, let the church know when a wolf is among them or coming into them. Now, wait a minute. Notice with me, it's not just the pastor's job to do that. It is the job of the brethren as a whole. I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Listen, I can't, I, I can't see everything. I can't see everything. And there's something about being a pastor. You're the last to find out about stuff. Oh, well, we just assumed you knew. <laughs> and here's the thing about wolves. Here's the thing about wolves. And you know this already, but let me make it clear. Here's the thing about wolves. They are bold enough to attack the simple, but they're too cowardly to do it when the shepherd's around. So if you're talking to somebody and I walk in and suddenly they stop talking, mm -hmm. 
Danger. The church needs men, women, teens who watch out for those who seek to cause divisions and offenses. Bring them to my attention so they can be marked. Now, what does the Bible mean by marking them? Calling them by name. There's a reason the Bible says, smite the scorner and the simple will beware. Now, church, if you think I'm just jumping at the chance to mark people, you don't know my heart. But if you don't think I have the courage to do what is necessary to protect the flock, you don't know me. Don't mistake my patience for weakness. And if you don't think I have the authority to call people out by name, you don't know your Bible. But church, you you just see me here for however many minutes. You don't see the inner struggle. You don't see the sleepless nights and the tears. But Paul told Timothy, Alexander the coppersmith. He didn't just say Alexander. There's a lot of Alexanders out there. Let's be specific. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. In another letter, he called out Hermogenes, Phagellus, Hymenius and Demas. John the Beloved said, there's somebody among you who loves the preeminence and he doesn't accept the brethren. In fact, he tells them to leave his church. And whenever we reach out to him, whenever my ministry reaches out to him, John the Beloved said, he doesn't accept us and his name is Diotrephes. So what that tells me is you don't, sometimes it's not even necessary to, just necessary to call out the name. It's also necessary to call out what they do. The shepherd is not doing his job by saying, all right, church, somebody somewhere, there's a wolf somewhere, and you should probably watch out. He needs to say, hey, everybody, Right there. You see him? No, everyone look. Use your imagination. Right there. Look. You see him? You see her? He's making his intentions clear. She's making her intentions clear. Stay away. And stay close. And stay together. The mark must be specific and clear and loud. And I know it's uncomfortable, but if it's not specific and clear and loud, how can the church avoid them? 
and God says you need to identify them. Look, we don't just, I, I don't just stand up here and call the name of everybody that I disagree with. <laughs> this is somebody who's going to bring damage, who wants to bring damage contrary to the doctrine. That's what we're talking about here. You identify them. Are they a threat? Are they a danger? You mark them, and then you avoid them. Listen, you don't persecute them. You don't make them the subject of your conversation for the next three months. You don't argue with them. You don't call them, I heard this about you. What in the world is that about? You don't engage with them. Leave them alone. One preacher said, people who endeavor to sow division in the church in order to exalt themselves are to be shunned more than if they were infected with a contagious disease. So I'm instituting tonight, doctrinally, social distancing. (laughs) Spiritual distancing. He went on to say this, the brethren who are connected with those people ought not be so confident to expose themselves to such germs. When somebody makes it clear they wish to bring division, God makes it clear you divide from them. When Korah came against Moses, when Korah came against Moses and sought to bring division among the people, you know how he did it? All the congregation are holy, Moses. Every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Who do you think you are to raise yourself above them? Good words and fair speeches. And God said, everybody, separate yourselves from this guy and anyone who's with him so I can consume him in a moment. That's pretty harsh. Well, that should show you just how seriously God takes division and how seriously God takes discord. He hates. Has anybody ever heard God hates nobody? Of course we have. What about he, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, and one of them is he that soweth discord among the brethren. Avoid them, or you will be deceived by them, and you will place yourself right in the crosshairs of God's hatred. So let's put this into the 21st century. Don't text them. Don't answer their texts. Don't tell them through an answer that I will no longer be answering your texts anymore. (laughs) Block their number. Do you realize it wasn't until very recently that if somebody wanted to talk to you, they could just get in touch with you at any point, at any time? Do you realize that when somebody texts you or calls you, you are not obligated? You are not obligated. I mean, think think about it. Think about it. Back in the day, back in the day when you wanted to get in touch with somebody, you got on your donkey and you rode for miles to knock on the person's ranch, hoping that they're home. And then we had this really cool thing called the telegraph. So when you wanted to get in touch with somebody, you would beep, 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 
and send it through, or you would tie it, you would tie a piece of paper to a bird. <laughs> and then we got a telephone. You know the, I don't even know what sound it makes. The shunk, shunk, shunk. You hated people with ones. You're like, oh, you've got to go all the way. And it would ring and ring and ring and ring. And after about 20, you think, must not be home. Click. But then we got answering machines. You know, the one that all the kids fought over who was going to leave the recording. And it would ring five or six times. Hi, you've reached the Che residence. I'm sorry we're not here right now. Please leave a message at the beep, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Boop. You'd leave a message. But now, you text somebody, and they don't text back within two minutes, and we're upset. You are not obligated to get back to it. And I'm, I'm sick and tired. Oh, well, they didn't text me back. Guys, get over it. Just because somebody calls you, just because somebody texts you, doesn't mean you're obligated to get, get, back, to get back to them. Leave them alone. Don't follow them on social media. Don't like their posts. Don't love their posts. Don't dislike their posts. Don't comment on their posts about how much you dislike their posts. Don't even keep following them just so you can stalk them. Don't do it. Avoid them. Don't eat with them. Don't listen with them. Well, then what chance do they have to get right? They can reach out to the under-shepherd. And if they won't reach out to me, but they'll reach out to you, There's a problem. And if they reach out to me, I promise you, church, I promise you, I'm all for restoration. And I'm going to prove that to you tonight. I am all for restoration. I am not for rebellion. I will not have one place for it. Not one. Avoid them. Now, is avoiding them all we do? No, we pray. We pray for their influence over the simple to come to nothing, and we pray for God's influence over their sin to bring them to repentance. That's what we pray for. The Bible teaches the prayer, prayer is the most that we can do for them, and so we should. It also teaches contact is the worst. Contact is the worst that we can do. And that's why even Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord rebuke him. Let the Lord handle them. You watch for them, know how to identify them, call them out, avoid them. So they have no opportunity to separate us from each other or from the Lord. Now, church, you're not foolish. You know I didn't just preach this message because I had nothing else to preach. I will be marking somebody tonight. Now it's nobody in this room. I'm not here to try to, to hold some threat over you. You better get right or I'll call your name. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But let it be a lesson to the oldest saint, to the newest convert in here, 
and you're new here at the church, there are things that happen even in good places that need to be called out and need to be protected. And as long as the Lord entrusts your life and your soul to me, I shall do it. Because I'm your shepherd. Now let me end with this. I'm nobody and I'm nothing. I'm so thankful that the, the only lessons that I've ever received about being a shepherd have been from the true shepherd. And if you don't know him today as your savior, if you do not know that Jesus is your shepherd, I want that to be the purpose of this. I want that to be the purpose of the invitation. Do you know for sure that the Lord is your shepherd? He's the only shepherd that will never let you down. And I do love you. And I will watch for you. And it's the honor of my life to be your pastor. But there is a much better shepherd than I. And I want you to follow him and stay close to him. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.